Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When we're speaking about just sheer pettiness, I think the sports world, we're underrated when it comes to the levels of petty that Talk people can go. Listen, it. I just, I, I, I know, I know players that hate each other from something that happened their rookie year, it. and they're like yeah. year eleven. <laughs> they still have like that that animosity. Hello, friends. Hideki Matsuyama just became the first Masters champion from Japan. A new owner appears in Minnesota, and it's A-Rod with an A-bomb, finalizing a deal along with billionaire Mark Lore to purchase the Timberwolves and the Lynx. In the NBA, the Western Conference playoff picture is shaping up to be a whirlpool of total destruction, plus defectors Diana Moskowitz on the Deshaun Watson lawsuits and my mom to talk about the Masters. I'm Jason Concepcion. I'm Renee Montgomery. Welcome to Take Line. Let's go! Uh, on Saturday, news broke from who else? Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski that A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, and billionaire Mark Lore are finalizing a deal to purchase the Minnesota Timberwolves and your former team, the Minnesota Lynx, Renee. Uh, yep. The price uh, reportedly being in the $1.5 billion range. Uh, to my knowledge, A-Rod has not played professional basketball, although you often see like, pro uh, pro athletes are good at numerous sports. Not exactly new for players from other leagues to become owners, though. Um, and here we are. What are. What is your reaction to the story? I just want to say also, like, it's amazing when you're a billionaire that that just becomes your title. Like, <laughs> yeah. what does he do? What does Mark Lorder? I don't know. He he's just, just has a, a lot of money. He's a billionaire. He's just a billionaire. I think the reason that that becomes your title is because the the possibilities are endless. Once you get that B by your name, you can be whatever you want to be. And so now he wants to be (laughs) an owner. You know, he was a former Walmart CEO. If that wasn't big enough, he wants to be something else. Um, But to me, uh, I, you know, I like when I see athletes getting involved so my first thought i'm like okay a rod i want to see a little yeah. j-lo action i don't know what's going on with them right now but to me i got excited about the idea of j-lo being a part of the whole ordeal but i really like to see now athletes taking a spot where they belong and i know yeah. a rod has never played basketball but athletes being at the top of organizations higher management it's always a good idea. Even if it's a cross sport, it's always a good idea. It would make a lot more sense too if athletes of the same sport could be in that role. But I think athletes get it across the board about how you should treat an athlete, how an organization should be ran. Um, and that's across all sports. Like that's not like for me, you know, I started with yeah. football and I, I never played football a day in my life, but I understand athletes. I understand how organizations should be ran. And so I think there's a crossover there. Here's my thing. What about the billionaires that could be anything that have no relation to sport, but just start buying and collecting things as collector's items? How do you like what are what are your thoughts on like just athletes not necessarily usually being in that? I mean, I my the, my reaction to this story is what happened to the KG bid? So over the summer, 
Um, and and a couple times before that, uh, Kevin Garnett had announced uh, on social media his intention to make a bid for his longtime team, the team that he uh, basically single-handedly lifted to the playoffs year after year after yep. year. Um, he tweeted back in July, my passion for the Minnesota Timberwolves to be a championship team is well known, but I have a deeper affection for the city of Minneapolis. I once again want to see Minneapolis as the diverse, loving community that it is, and then went on to say that he wanted to buy the team. Interesting that his bid uh, was rejected. He has since yeah. uh, said, crazy, uh, some of these special players that help build these effing franchises like a home but can never own them, only rent them. Uh, get mm. the fuck out of here. It's a joke. You're lost. Keep in mind moving. And we still out here looking. I, You know, yeah. in situations like this, I guess never underrate pettiness and personal animosity <laughs> as a reason that, yeah. uh, you know, as a like kind of invisible barrier to players from a from their own sport buying a team within their sport. But that kind of it did surprise me. He's gone after Glenn Taylor. He's gone after the franchise uh, before, although he's always Kevin has always talked about the warm feelings he has for uh, soda as he calls it um but I, I guess I really was surprised it's like Glenn Taylor here's the greatest player that ever played for the franchise again lifted them to the playoffs year after year if you look at the rosters that he was taking with him yeah it was like and this is no disrespect for the players that, that played on those teams it was not up to the level that Carnet was he was leading one of the leaders in the league uh in uh in rebounds in points uh two-way devastator defense and offense and yeah. playing with guys who just were not on his level year after year. Part of that is Glenn Taylor just pre presiding over, you know, dysfunction for decades. And now in his final move, apparently selling the team to uh, A-Rod and, and Mark Lore rather than, you know, Kevin Garnett who sweat for this team. It's just surprising to me. It's shocking. And, you know, Glenn Taylor, I've had many, many, many interactions with Glenn Taylor, even in 2016, where we wore our shirts and the Minnesota Police mm -hmm. Department walked out on us. You know, Glenn Taylor and them stood firm backing us. So, you know, I have that thought of Glenn Taylor, but I also wonder why they didn't want to sell to a Kevin Garnett. And yeah. I'm curious, too, because this isn't the first time that an athlete has got a group together, got the right. funds right and put in a bid. This has happened many, many times, but a lot of times people, the bids are rejected or they go a different route for whatever reason. I always like to, to, to speculate too. I wonder if, are people making deals on the way out? Like, so maybe A-Rod and, and the billionaire, you know, maybe there's something like, oh, I maybe want to do business with them in the future. So let me mm. sell the team to them, right. build a relationship or I'm trying to figure out, because I, I, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. Like, what? Kevin Garnett wants to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves right. and he has the money? It's a no-brainer. So the fact that it didn't happen to me, it's like, what are we missing? Let me ask you. So there have been numerous athletes uh, recently who have purchased ownership stakes in sports teams, sports clubs. LeBron famously uh, is a co-owner of Liverpool FC as well as the Boston Red yeah. Sox more recently this year. James Harden uh, is co-owner of the Houston Dynamo and, and the uh, NWSL Dash. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, uh, is 
quite out front as the owner of Candace the Charlotte Hornets. Candace Parker, NWSL, Candace Parker. Naomi Osaka. Uh, yes. There's a lot of them. And then there is Renee Montgomery, uh, co-owner of The Dream. What is the <sighs> role? Like, obviously, the uh, the athlete is important for not only like the money that they're bringing, but the cachet and their understanding of the culture and the team and uh, the culture of athletics. From your perspective, what's the role of the athlete in any of these ownership deals? Like what, what is it that uh, the money player, Mark Lore in this case, believes that A-Rod brings to the table in a situation like this? Yeah, understanding of sports and and athletes and and what would make a good franchise. So when you get to to the big leagues, you have to sell your franchise. You know, there's free Mm -hmm. agency where you want to attract the biggest free agents because if you do that, obviously you'll have a good team. And so I think that the money people want to align themselves with someone that will like lure in some good talent and, and bring in not even just good talent as far as the sports person is concerned, but other celebrities make it yeah. high a lister you know events minnesota isn't the most flashy place in the world yeah. so you add a rod to that equation and now it gets a little more flashier like you know it starts to get more appealing people start to want to play for an a rod and and you won't hear mark's name a lot in in that aspect but a rod brings an a lister to the equation what else athletes bring to the equation is an understanding of what it takes to be an athlete and mm. for whatever reason like that's that's not valued high enough and it's also valued high so when i say it's not valued high enough we still don't see enough former athletes in these high management roles we still don't see right. enough former athletes especially in the WNBA in right. coaching positions positions of of power that can make decisions but then sometimes you see it but it's a cross sport or it's someone else where they're like okay look a rod we know you're a sports person you played many many years professionally Maybe not basketball, but bring your expertise. That's kind of what it looks yes. like to me. Uh, shouts to Glenn Taylor, by the way, who bought the team for $88 million in 1994. $88 million is set to sell the team now in 2021 for $1.5 billion yes. in Minnesota. I mean, this is, you know, we've talked uh, in, in recent episodes about small market versus big market. Uh it's just an incredible appreciation in value for a team that has, you know, frankly, not been good. Listen, the links, the links aside, the links have won championships. That's what I was okay? going to say. The links yeah. have won multiple championships. <laughs> they are the successful franchise in this deal. Yeah. The Timberwolves, listen, have not, have struggled. Uh, even when they had Kevin Garnett, you know, they went to the Western Conference Finals, of course, famously one time, but then had eight straight uh, first round playoff exits. Um, it is just an incredible appreciation in value for this team and for NBA teams in general over the last uh, several years and decades. It's kind of it's it's just really mind boggling that it's now one point five billion dollars they're going to pay for this team. And you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because your first thought when you hear the one point five billion it's not the Minnesota Lynx. It, you, right. We know that the big ticket that they're paying for is the Minnesota Timberwolves. It also brings in another issue with these, these. I don't want to call it a throw-in deal because I, I hope that A-Rod and Mark will appreciate that they have mm-hmm. a gem in, in the Minnesota Lynx. Like they have- Four titles in 10 years. They have a top 
franchise dynasty that not only wins on the court, but they excel off the court and how they mm -hmm. are presented as an organization. So sometimes it always makes me nervous when you have this big deal that's happening and then you have some things that might be thrown in on the deal. So I hope that A-Rod and them really realize, yes, I understand that, you know, a big portion of the money is to be buying the Minnesota Timberwolves, but they they got they they got a steal. Whatever they had to pay for the the Minnesota Lynx, it's a steal because that is one of the top franchises in the WNBA and has the hardware to go with it. So I always I I, I just really I think A Rod gets it. So I, I hope he does because I with all the talk of the deal, everyone's talking about the same thing you're talking about. Woo, one point five billion for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, yeah, the Lynx are in on that deal as well. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is expansion may or may not happen in either league, right? In the WNBA right. or the NBA. It's a remote possibility, however, all of which is to say, I hope that athletes, specifically the athletes who play for the teams, are able to hook on to ownership groups that will allow them to participate more directly in the success of a franchise, especially if they helped build that success. You know, I think yeah, that that that's what I yeah, like I don't understand why this isn't the natural progression. Yeah. I just would I would hope that in the future that people I mean, who would take better care of the brand of the Minnesota Timberwolves than a Kevin Garnett who gave his blood, sweat and tears to it as a player, believes in the brand, wanted to be a part of the brand. So I just hope that people start to value that a lot more when we talk about work experience, qualifications, People need to make sure that we don't just look at athletes as a sports person that can run and jump and be athletic and entertain, but also a business person. And I know that that gets yeah. overlooked, but I'm not the only person that's been a professional athlete that can do business. There's plenty of us out there, but people need to value it different. I don't think that people value it correctly. Another thing that, I, again, not to just return to this, but the, another thing that really surprised me about like the decision to go with A-Rod and, and Mark Lore is in the past – Mr. Taylor has run the team, both the teams, but particularly the Timberwolves, in a way that, from my perspective, overvalues direct Minnesota connections. Flip Saunders, right? University of Minnesota. Ryan Saunders, Flip Saunders' son, who later went on to coach the team. Flip Saunders is a longtime coach of the, of the Timberwolves. Um, he always seems to select people with direct Minnesota ties. Now, here's Kevin Garnett, direct Minnesota tie. Yeah. The greatest Timberwolf ever again uh, and rejected his his bid. Now, uh, Garnett has gone after the team in different ways. He he said uh, once after a trade from uh, from the Timberwolves to the Nets in 2015, I'll always have a special place for the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota in my heart. But I don't do business with snakes. I don't do business with snake motherfuckers. I try not to do business with openly snakes or Ooh. people who are snake-like. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, tell them how you really feel. Tell them feel. how you really feel. No, I guess, like, uh, I guess it is perhaps uh, fair to wonder if this uh, comment such as these uh, might have dampened the, his chances of acquiring the team in the future. But uh once again, never discount the uh, the influence of personal animosity whenever a, a business deal or some political deal happens in a way that is seems to be uh, illogical. Yeah, I agree. And 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 one more thing, when we're speaking about just 
sheer pettiness. I think the sports world, we're underrated when it comes to the levels of petty that Talk people about it. can go. Talk about Listen, it. I just I like I know I know players that hate each other from something that happened their rookie year it. and they're like yeah. year 11 <laughs> they still have like that that animosity I, I just I think that that is you know you hear it in Hollywood all the oh, time yeah, sure. like oh yeah you'll get blackballed yeah, yeah. and blacklisted and you hear it all the time but man it really had the sports world is so small the coaches yeah. if you get fired one place they're going to be a coach somewhere else you got bad blood there now you can't go to this city I think that the sports world is underrated so to that point I didn't necessarily know that KG said all of that about not doing business with snakes. But now that you said that, I think that there is a direct correlation between because to me, I was just asking, I'm like, am I missing yeah. something here? This seems like a home run. No brainer. Think about the fans that would get behind it, the the city, how they would get behind it. But there we go again. There are there's that P word uh, petty that I didn't. You got to know the full story. Have you ever carried a grudge like from from amateur basketball all the way to all the way to the pros? Like <laughs> you don't have to, name, you don't have to, to name names, but if you want to, you could. But like, uh, listen, I can tell you how much of a grudge I haven't carried. You know, sometimes when players get traded, yeah. it's like a sour taste in their mouth and different things of that nature. Um, I got traded in Connecticut. And the GM that was in Connecticut is now our GM here in Atlanta. And I signed with this team a three-year deal to come play here. So I'm one of those like, yeah, yeah, don't care. Let's keep it pushing. Because I don't really care about enough to hold on to it. Like, if somebody says something to my my snookabooka, which is my mom, my fiance, like somebody <laughs> says something about the family, okay, I probably will hold it with me for a really long time. But if it's about me, like I can never hold a grudge when it comes to me. Wow. It's, it, I guess it's just a function of, as you said, how small this world is and how few spots there are within it. Uh, now, and, and let me just, I'm talking about the, the the dream, but I have to bring up, even though I'm hawks all day. <laughs> okay, like, we got, let me just say I'm hawks all day long. Yes. But we got to talk a little bit about this Western Conference. The Nuggets won on an eight-game win streak recently, although the Celtics broke that yeah, streak. Man. The Lakers, though... A lot of people were saying the Lakers are donezo. Everything is done. LeBron and AD out. As you can imagine, people would assume that. But the Lakers was about that action. And when they beat the Nets the other night, the Jazz still have the best record in the league. But the Suns are looking hot, as we would assume any Chris Paul team with talent will. But how do you see the West playing out? Because it's crazy right now over it's there. It's a blender to me. So, like... The Lakers have, um, you know, it's been shaky since LeBron has been out, AD also out, and yet their defense has remained very stout, best defensive in, uh, team in the league. They are scrappy. They come at you all the time, and they never stop playing. And now you've got the reinforcements coming, right? You can see it. You, the, you know the daylight yep. is coming. AD's coming. LeBron is coming. And so he's sending out tweet cryptic messages, <laughs> letting us know it's on the it's way. It's on the way. And so uh, Lakers are sitting at you know the the five right now. So it'd be the Nuggets versus the Lakers, yeah. and that is a that's just a bloodbath. Let me go through this. So uh, <laughs> the Jazz are right now sitting atop the conference, followed by the Phoenix Suns, uh -huh. the Clippers. Nuggets were on an eight game winning streak until they recently uh, went cold in the second half and lost to the Celtics in a shocking display. The Lakers, who nobody wants to play at any 
spot anywhere in the playoffs. Mm. The Trailblazers, absolutely dangerous. Now we get into the playoff area. Dallas Mavericks at seven, Grizzlies at eight, uh, Spurs at nine, and Golden State Warriors at 10. None of these teams down here at the play-in would I want to play if I'm the Utah Jets. No. I don't want to see Imagine any of Imagine Steph Curry in the playoffs. I don't want to see it. Like, I mean, I don't care if Golden State is 10, 15, 25. Imagine Steph Curry in the playoffs. No. So the, the Jazz are, again, by the advanced metrics, they are like a historically good team. They're averaging 50 points a game on threes, which is super important for them because of the way they're structured. And congratulations to the Utah Jazz on a historic season, you may have to play Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors in round <laughs> one. Congratulations. Like, that could happen. And yes, the Warriors have, uh, have gone through a losing streak of their own. Uh, James Wiseman, uh, probably done for the season now with meniscus tear. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to see Steph Curry in the first round under any circumstances at all, ever. None. None. And, like... I just I'm going to ask you so that I'm not saying it, but (laughs) do we do we believe the Utah Jazz? And what I mean by that is I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) You know exactly what I mean. So so Jason, like do we? because first of all, this is first. I always get scared of teams who to a lot of their points come from shooting. Yeah. And, the, and, yeah. and I know, and, and just so people, I understand the NBA metrics and analytics, but we've seen what happened to the Houston Rockets. If you go cold, if you don't make shots when it matters, when a lot of your points, I mean, we're talking 50 points per game. If 50 points alone are from the three-point line, to me, that's scary. Like, I need reassurance that if we're not making shots, we're still a highly effective team. Do we believe the Jazz? I be- Like, in the playoffs, would you – are they going to the end of your bracket? They're the number one seed. Are you going to put them to the end of your – like, like how is that the looking? Two things. I believe that they are a very, very good team, and I believe that they are a contender. I don't believe that in many of these matchups, right – that they would have, let's say, uh, so Jazz, let's say it's Jazz Warriors first round. They don't have the best player on the floor in that series, okay? Uh, right. Jazz Dallas. Uh, I don't think they have the best player on the floor in that series. Uh, and that is kind of the issue for them. Listen, uh, I think that they play a very particular style. If Donovan Mitchell hears this, well, woo! You saw what happened when Shaq said something. I mean, I, th- I think Donovan Mitchell is really good. I think the chemistry that he has with Gobert is incredibly important. I think that they're yep. getting great shooting and contributions from Bogdanovich. Uh, Royce O'Neal has done, like, yeoman's work. Joe Ingles is solid. Jordan Clarkson, you know, arguably the best bench player in the league, best bench scorer in the league, found his niche finally in the NBA. I just think that, like... For one, they play a very particular defensive style that does not really allow them to switch. Okay, so what happens when they start playing these kind of like teams that are going to demand that they switch? That's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens there. And then I think, two, you know, uh, their second best player, Rudy Gobert, some would say their first, their most important player, some would say, um, you just can't count on him offensively at all, particularly down the stretch. Like, that's not where you're getting your scoring. It's going to be Donovan Mitchell, right? And and, yeah. and 
hopefully you get contributions from Connolly and, and Bogdanovich and others. But to your point, let's say they go dry. Okay, which happens in the playoffs because you know that's what happens. Yeah, they, They'll take they shoot forty three threes a game. They will take and they away don't, and they shoot like twenty yes. percent. Teams know that, and they will work to take away those threes. Okay, Gobert, you're not going to be. They're not throwing it to you right in the last five minutes of a close game. Donovan Mitchell, what can right. you do? That's what happens at that point. It's Donovan Mitchell's game, and can he? Can he be the guy that that wins them games at that point? Um, I think he can, but I also think it's a question mark. And I also think that part of this perception is the fact that, one, it's Utah and we've never really seen them. You know, it's been 1998 since they were like a real contender for the finals. Yeah. Um, And so a part of this is we haven't seen it. And then a part of this is like uh, they're like Mitchell is untested. I think as that guy still a little bit untested. So it's a little bit, we haven't seen it. All of which is to say is I don't fully believe in them. I don't because listen, the, you know, the LeBron and AD, it's like, that's a finals appearance every time. Right. So yeah, I just don't I, know if I believe it's tough. it. That's why I asked it because even take a number four team of the nuggets. I mean, they have a Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Nikolai Jokic, like, they have Will Barton, Michael Porter. They have firepower. And so, yeah, I think the real question, that's why it's like the Utah Jazz have shown us nothing but that we should believe it. But it's just that everyone, I mean, when you win 22 straight home games, like we should believe it. But I understand that not all of us, we don't all, all necessarily believe it. So it's going to be interesting. The teams like that, it's going to be interesting. How about the Suns? Um, first of all, I'm just really happy for Suns fans. It has been uh, a really rough few years here in the post-Nash years. Devin Booker, obviously one of the brightest lights, young stars. In the league. Oh, yeah. I, he is so young and so good. And now uh, yeah. with Chris Paul adding that really veteran, I can get to my spot, I know how to call oh, yeah. a basketball game and how to dictate flow at any time kind of expertise. Now the Suns are surging, 37 and 15. They're 18 and 6 against uh, against teams with winning records, which is best in the NBA. Now they had the easiest yep. uh, schedule in the NBA through week 15, but like they're a good team. And they're sitting at number two, which would have them play uh, maybe Dallas. And yet again, here you go again. It's another bloodbath. Here we go. Let me ask you this. Let's say it's Suns-Dallas. Based on that matchup, are the Suns more likely to get to the Western Conference Finals or lose in the first round? They're likely to get there. I believe the Suns can beat a Dallas Mavericks team. I mean, honestly... We played a, a Suns team, and with us being, when I say we, I told you guys at the top of this, I'm oh. all Hawks all the time. But when we played Phoenix, we lost to them 117 to 110. And I believe that that was a very winnable game. Like, I know that players, like, I know all players are probably like, oh, yeah, well, Phoenix didn't shoot well, but we executed our scouting report, and I felt like we could have beaten them. So having said that still, I think they're a beatable team, but I think that they, like, against a team like Dallas, I think they match up better than a team like us. I, you know, honestly, I think that they're one of the teams to, like, they're scarier to me than Utah Jazz. Just, I, I, just I offer I, I, the I love this take. Tell me why. Yeah, like, because you got, first of all, you got Chris Paul who yeah. knows, and a lot of people are going to say, well, does he really know how to win if he's never won? Yes, he knows what winning looks like. 
He's, as most people talk about, he's probably one of the best leaders in the NBA. So whenever you have a guy like that in your foxhole, you're already one up. Then you got a Devin Booker who everyone for years and years and years have talked about how Phoenix Suns have been underachievers. Like, man, all that talent over there, why can't they win? And so he hears that. He wants to be a part of a good one. I think they just have... They have the weapons like, you know, just when you look at their roster, you know, they have the right weapons that when you match them up against whoever you can see, oh, I can see how they could compete. Some teams I just don't I I don't believe it. And so but the Suns. Yeah, I think that like I think that they them as well as as the Clips and the Lakers. I mean, they're just not teams you want to see. I believe Portland, but I also believe that Portland doesn't have enough firepower. So I think that like at a certain point. It's too much on Dame, too much on CJ. I agree with you. Um, Clippers are really interesting to me because it's like I feel like they're just kind of like sneaking under the radar. There's been so – there's like uh, so much talk about the Jazz. Obviously, as long as LeBron James is in the NBA, he will be the headline of almost every story, right? So like what's going on with the Lakers is a big story. Um, But the Clippers are 37 and 18, okay, yeah. Uh, Paul George is struggling a little bit, but they're putting it together. I don't know. They've got a ton of experienced guys. Patrick Beverly is will clamp you down and maybe like uh, injure your ankle. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, but he's out for a month. Yeah. He's out for a month with a broken we hand. Back. Kawhi Leonard, obviously one of the best <laughs> two-way players in legitimately in history. Paul George as well. Um and they have a Baca now that gives them a, t- a kind of like a different look on the inside, a more veteran look, uh, can, knows what he can do, physical, knows his spots, can hit that mid-range jumper. And yet, and yet, 37 and 18, I ask you the question that you asked me about the Utah Jazz. Do you believe in the L.A. Clippers? Woo! I believe that a team with a combined 748 playoff games – I have to believe them. Now, do I believe that that same team, do I believe that that same team can stay healthy? That I don't know. I think that a healthy Clippers team, and obviously we can say this about everyone, but the Clippers just, I mean, even right now, Patrick Beverly, he struggles to stay healthy, but anybody that plays that all out, you typically, they might get hurt. Paul George just hurt a toe, um, Kawhi, we know he's been Mr. Load Management yes. for a lot of years. Um, it's an issue. So, like, I, yeah, I just, for I believe a fully loaded Clippers team, I believe that they got embarrassed last year embarrassed. when they got knocked out. They got embarrassed. And I think that that will fuel them this year, and I think they have the talent level, and I think they have the wherewithal to do it. You know, Kawhi Leonard has done it with the Spurs and then went to the Raptors and led them to do it and then was like, all right, I'm out, peace. So, I I mean, I believe they unquestionably have the talent, right? Unquestionably, they have the talent and the experience. For me, it's always like, what's the other shoe? What's what is the weird thing that's going to happen? You know, when they uh, lost after being up 3 1 in the playoffs last year, it was like, it felt like something was was missing and something was wrong, something chemistry wise, something, whether it's their relationship to each other. And then of course, uh, numerous stories came out since then about problems in the locker room and uh, uh, star treatment of Kawhi in relation to uh, the rest of the team. Kawhi wasn't practicing. He said he pulled an Allen Iverson (laughs) 
He said, listen, I'm going to give you these buckets in the game. Right. I'm going to give that's you right. these this low management, and you're going <laughs> right. to take it. That That's what happened, just so people didn't know. But they've cleared up since then, I think. Listen, as Charles Barkley said last week, quote, I've been poor, I've been rich, I've been fat, I've been skinny, I've been old, I've been in the Hall of Fame. And one thing I can always tell you, the Clippers have always sucked. That is not exactly, okay. that's not exactly true. The Clippers have had moments of 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 relevance and they are relevant right now. Oh but I think gosh. it is, it does speak to the fact that the Clippers have always found a way to somehow uh, disappoint, which is not even to say to make it to the finals or win the finals, just disappoint. At number four, we have the Nuggets, 34-19, 12-3 in their last game. They won uh, in their last 15 games. The Nuggets won eight in a row before losing to the Celtics over the weekend. Yeah. Jokic is going to win the MVP at this point. Uh, you know, mm. is the numbers are insane. Uh, for March, 27-11, eight and yep. a, we'll call it eight and a half, 58% field goal percentage and it's like man Aaron Gordon and Jokic together are a plus 32 Aaron Gordon has discovered the thing that Jamal Murray that other Nuggets players have discovered which is if I just cut to the basket this guy's gonna hit me with a pass I'm gonna I'm gonna score uh and it's Aaron Gordon was the perfect addition to this team because the way Aaron Gordon played already like you knew when you added him to that motion offense that the Nuggets, you got you got the Joker that he's dropping dimes left and right. I mean, he's clearly he's he's a great passer for any position, but when you talk big big men, obviously he's at the top yeah, of the list for a historic. lot of the list. He's top five. So when you add a great cutter like Aaron Gordon, who can also shoot played in that Houston Rockets, that 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 layup or three style you knew it was going to be just gasoline already on to a team that was on fire. So, I mean, yeah. And then you look at, at, at the Lakers, like I, I believe a lot of teams, let me just say that I believe a lot of teams, but when you talk about the number five Lakers team, I think it's pretty understood that we don't care what happens. <laughs> I don't care how many games they lose. I know, yeah, no one cares. The worst offense in the league since LeBron James went down, uh, we don't care any of it. When we talk about playoff runs, we know that you got to get like the Lakers are in the conversation. Like, yes. That's what's so crazy about all these other th- like we're breaking out the Clippers, the Nuggets. Do we believe um, the Jazz? I don't care what the Lakers do. We believe you because you got LeBron James and then A.D. We believe them. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
this just happened, got news that the Minnesota Twins, uh, Minnesota FC MLS team, and the Minnesota Timberwolves have all postponed their games in response to uh, the protests surrounding the police shooting that happened over the weekend when 20-year-old Dante Wright was pulled over, according to Brooklyn Central Police, because of expired tags, and during the traffic stop was shot and killed. Protests have ensued, and the postponement started with the Twins, which they released a statement. Now other teams have, have surely followed suit. Ultimately, this is a response to um, similar events that have happened around the country, and in particular events that have uh, happened within the state of, of Minnesota and Minneapolis in particular. Obviously, a tragic circumstance. The police chief in Brooklyn Center uh, made a statement uh, earlier today that the officer who fired the shot thought she was pulling her taser, which just doesn't ring true to me. Listen, I don't know, but it seems to me that a taser, which weighs probably like eight or nine ounces and a gun, which I don't know, probably weighs two pounds when it's fully loaded, uh, would feel pretty different if you're pulling them out. Uh, That's on top of the fact that the taser is usually on the weak side. They have that on the other side and then, and the gun is on the right side, you know, the dominant hand side. Uh, and that the trigger mechanisms are completely different and the taser is yellow and bright yellow, looks like a laser gun. Uh, all of this is just immensely tragic and it feels like, well, here we go again. We're doing this again. And I want people to understand, yes, mistakes happen, but incompetence when a life is lost, I don't know if that's acceptable. Like, not, you know, yeah, like, that's that's. That So I know that people are probably like, oh, you know, because I've seen the argument. Well, she tried to yell taser three times and then proceeded to fire a single bullet. That's incompetent. Like, I don't know how you do that. You you just listed off a gang of reasons why there's differences in weights. There's differences in the field. Which side is it on? If a police officer is terrified when they're doing their job to the point to where they can't decipher, am I holding a taser or am I holding a gun? There is a problem there. There is something wrong. It's unacceptable. You can't be a police officer if when in times of crisis or when the situation is heightened, you can't think clearly, then you're not prepared well enough. You're not ready to be a police officer. So I, I can't understand these people like, oh, well, it was an accident. They released the body cam footage as if that's going to be almost justifying (laughs) what happened. Like, if that was supposed to help us understand better, I'm still confused. Somebody lost their their life. Dante lost his life over that, a mistake. And so you have to pose the question to people that don't get it. If you lost a family member over a mistake, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make the loss any better. I mean, even if it was, even if the cops get you know, reprimanded, even if the cops get convicted in any of the circumstances, it still doesn't make the blow to the family better. But to tell a family that's grieving, oh, it's just a mistake. She thought it was a taser and it was actually a gun loaded and she shot a bullet. I just, to me, it's a no. So I'm glad that the sports leagues not only postponed their games, but also sent their sympathies and yes. condolences to the family of Dante Wright. Because a lot of times when we talk about these police shootings and we talk about these different scenarios, we almost dehumanize the person because yes. it's like, oh, another name yep. to the list. Dante Wright, Dante Wright, Dante Wright had family, friends, a life. And so we have to make sure whenever we're breaking down these police mistakes that we don't forget to say the names of victims because that's what the problem is. Yeah. 
That's the problem. People are losing their lives over apparent mistakes. I, I keep thinking about, okay, let's for a second pretend that this was a mistake. I would be interested to know what the statistics are the other way. How many times does an officer pull their taser when they mean to pull their gun? If a mistake only happens one way every time, then yeah. there's deeper issues at play here, right? D does it ever happen the other way? Does the officer ever accidentally pull the taser? And it was like, whoops, uh, I pulled out my taser in this in this uh, dangerous situation. I, I had my taser out instead of my gun. Uh, I, I would be really fascinated to know how often that happens. Because I got to tell you, like, this was uh, the same defense that uh, Johan Messerly uh, used in the shooting of Oscar Grant in 2009, thought it was a taser, reached for the taser, ended up shooting Oscar Grant uh, dead. How often does it happen the other way? Why does it only seem to happen this way? Uh, very interesting to me. And just to just to kind of cap it off, we're entering the third week yes. of the police officer who killed George Floyd. We're, we're entering the third week of his trial. So when you take that into account where we're in a trial where we watched a man yep. get murdered while we're watching another one get murdered, it's, it's, it's not a good look. I'm just going to say it's just not a good look and it's very unsettling. Yeah, I mean, there's a level of ingrained belief in authority that is just kind of taken as the correct mode of operation. For instance, when we're, you know, all of a sudden we're interrogating uh, whether this uh, officer made an honest mistake. And yes, she uh, yelled taser. Where Derek Chauvin is going to say that uh, drugs uh, and, and pre-existing medical conditions played a role. And it wasn't the fact that he kneeled on, uh, on this man's back for almost 10 minutes. It, the fact that you can't, just believe the things that you see they have to we yeah. are almost like programmed to have to take every story that uh the police give us and believe it it's just it shouldn't be the way things are we've we've have enough evidence oh, at this point over. that police don't tell the truth in a lot of situations they are don't use uh force in a way that's responsible they kill people and that's over because we see it because yeah. It, camera phones are the worst thing to happen to policing mm -hmm. because we see it now. We see you now. We see it now. And again, unacceptable. To anyone who is listening to this and is thinking, what can I do? Is there anything that can be done? Uh, the Minnesota Freedom Fund is just one organization that fights police and racial injustice on the ground in Minnesota on the local level. You can find out more at minnesotafreedomfund.org. Joining us now is the Defector's Diana Moskowitz, is investigations editor for Defector Media. Uh, she's here to talk to us about the Deshaun Watson lawsuits. For those of you who may not be aware, over the past several weeks, um, a growing number of women, now a total of 22, have filed suit against uh, Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson over sexual misconduct, uh, which uh, occurred during massage appointments, according to their statements. He has denied all allegations, but has uh, since lost endorsement deals and is in the middle of trying to uh, force his way out of uh, the Houston Texans. There are several things we want to get to in this story, and we've brought in uh, Diana to talk about it. Diana, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, last Friday, some news came out of the court hearings. Uh, could you just kind of like update us about the latest, uh, where this story uh, started and where it is now? 
Yes. So it started with one lawsuit. It was filed um, just a couple weeks ago, actually, in Harris County in Texas. A woman said that she had been hired by Deshaun Watson to provide massage therapy for him and that during the massage, which I always think is worth emphasizing, this is her work, right? She's she's working. he insisted on being completely nude and, among other inappropriate behavior, um, tried touching her with his penis. And then what followed was, for lack of a better way to put it, a flurry of lawsuits. After that, I just felt like every day there was another lawsuit, another lawsuit. And a lot of these lawsuits are women coming forward basically all saying they had similar experiences with Watson. Um, Some are more serious. There are two where women say they were forced to provide oral sex. Um, In some cases, he definitely did force them to touch his penis. In others, it was just he was trying to get them to touch it. Um, One woman says she felt like he was forcing her to touch his anus. Um, But broadly, again, all saying he reaches out to them on social media They've never worked with him before. He wants to set up a massage. He is very clear about this wanting to be a place where it's very private, where people might not even see either of them coming or going. Um, He also then insists on only covering his groin area with a towel, which sometimes he doesn't even include that. He'll get rid of it very quickly or he'll get rid of it somehow at some point during uh, the visit saying he's something like too hot. Um, Again, then this is where the assault happens. And then I also think it's worth noting in several cases, um, the women have provided screenshots that they say are of messages they got from Watson afterwards Mm. where he's saying, you know, oh, hey, I'm sorry, you know, if there uh, might have been some miscommunication or if or if things were confusing, which they feel like implies that he knew his behavior mm. was inappropriate. Um, we're at 22 right now. There are five women, according to Tony Busby, who's representing the 22, he said five other people did approach him, but they felt like there was not enough to file a civil suit in those cases. Um There's a 23rd woman who is not represented by Busby. She has retained a different attorney who gave a very lengthy interview to Sports Illustrated's Jenny Rentis, basically saying she was coming forward to support these women um, and tells a very similar story to what's in the 22 lawsuits. She has not filed yet, but it is possible. So we talked about the the 22 women. Deshaun Watson's camp brought another 18 women to support him and and basically saying that they've given him a massage and that everything was normal. Now, to me, that seems like a lot of women, just the sheer amount seems like a lot. Do you think that helped or hurt his case? You know, I feel like this is one of those cases where people can unfortunately really try to see what they want to see. So I know there are people who saw the 18 and thought, okay, let's do some math. 22 plus the woman who spoke to Sports Illustrated, 23 plus 18. Whoa, that is seeing a lot of massage therapists. And is that normal for anyone, you know, let alone a, a pro athlete whose body is so key to their job to just be constantly finding new massage therapists, new massage therapists. There are other people who see those 18 women and immediately go, oh my God, well, that that proves he didn't do it because if he was nice to them, then he must be nice to everybody. Um, Of 
of course, I would push back and say that's that's not the case. How you are with one person is very individual. You can be nice to someone, horrible to the next person, right? But uh, to me, you, I saw that as Watson's defense team doing their job, which is defending him and, and putting that out there, knowing the people who want to believe Deshaun are just going to latch on to that, you know, I'd be like, but these mm. 18, but these yeah. 18, again, my counter is that doesn't really disprove what the other women are saying. It just shows he didn't do it with everybody. Part of that uh, people being able to see what they want to see uh, has been the very kind of like sports blinkered angle, which is, oh, uh, Galaxy Brain, the Texans did this in order to stymie Deshaun from from uh, leaving the team. Uh, I first of all, do, do you feel that there's anything to that? No, I, I mean I always have to do the little asterisk. <laughs> right, yeah, like, it's like, look, right. I don't know everything. I I don't have yeah. psychic abilities, unfortunately. Um, and, and who knows how these court cases will play out? There's still so much, you know, down the line, but. I keep thinking about everything that came out about the Texans during this football season right. and what it and disorganized feels like a really weak word to be honest, yeah. <laughs> but what a mess of an organization they are driving away talent at an epic rate, you know, for yeah. any league where you were just wondering, is there anyone who wants to play for this team? And, um, to then think that they are, are so organized that they could somehow create this conspiracy to either keep this down until Deshaun had angered them so much or that they somehow cooked this all up. I just keep coming back to, I don't think these guys are that organized. <laughs> I just don't, I don't think they're that smart. There's been, unfortunately, a, a number of cases uh, like this, sexual misconduct cases, uh, around pro athletes, NFL athletes. And the thing that I keep thinking, in, in particular to this case, you know, is if I was a victim um, and I wanted justice, I wanted uh, my story heard, I would look at everything that happens when these cases arise which is conversations that are never centered around the victim. It's all these, it's, oh, the, it, this serves the interest of the team or such and such is looking for money or look at all these people that this didn't happen to. And I would honestly think, is all of this worth it? You know, like I, that's the thing that I keep, it just must be so painful to be like, well, is this what I want to go through all of this where people are going to have conversations that aren't even about the case. It's about the baggage that is brought to the case and all the other uh, cases that have happened that are similar in the past. And, uh, and that's on top of the fact that, you know, standard operating procedure for any defense in this is going to be uh, sully the accusers in some kind of way. Yeah. Character assassination. So basically it's kind of like, he's asking like, how difficult is it you know, yeah. for these women to almost come forward knowing that they're going against a, a famous person, uh, somebody's favorite athlete, and then knowing that there's going to be that character assassination that almost happens inevitably because of those things. Yeah, it's I mean, we've already seen it in this case. One of two women have come forward with their names already. And one of them um, did so like at, at a press conference, you could see her face. She read a statement. She gave her name, Ashley Solis. Yeah. And within, it was 24 hours, maybe 48, but you know, it was probably, you know, 
it was really fast. Um, she started getting death threats. She started getting rape threats on her Instagram account. And she has a, a personal website because massage therapy is her business. Of course, right. she has a website where she right. wants you to get in contact with her. And right. now people are using the contact me form to tell her to die. Wow. You know? Well, that's people are sick. People are sick. Like to send rape threats to a rape victim. That's an that's another level. And I want fans to understand that's not being a fan. Like that's that's just not being a fan. If you're a fan of the Texans, doing that is not showing that you're a fan of the Texans. If you're a fan of Deshaun Watson, doing that just doesn't. That's wild. Like it's imagine being yeah. the victim to to. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I keep thinking point. like, what amount of money even? is worth this amount of uh, toxicity and attention and like character right. assassination. It's just, uh, I have a lot of respect for anybody that comes forward. Yeah. Uh, and and I want to thank Renee for saying that, by the way, because I yeah. do think that there are people who think because I'm a fan of Deshaun Watson, because I'm a fan of the Texans, I have right. to defend yeah. them. Yes. And Look, I'm, I started out as a sports fan, too, but that's where the line of fandom for me ends, right? And 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 look, we're not saying, because a lot of people, we're not saying he's, he's guilty until proven innocent. I'm just saying you showing your support by attacking a victim is never being a fan, and it, yeah. that is never a part of sports. Like, so, for because you always have to, there's always going to be people on the other side. We're not saying that he's already yeah. guilty. We're not saying any of that. I'm saying if you think that you're being a fan by supporting him, by attacking someone else, like that's that nope. ain't it. That just is not it at all. Yeah. Do you think that? Um, do you think that the kind of um, cultural awareness around these kind of cases, particularly within football, has changed at all? Like, it, if Roethlisberger happened, if his two uh, sexual assault cases happened in 2021, are they treated differently than they were treated then? I feel like they are and they aren't. Um, you know, I it's interesting to see so many people talking about the Roethlisberger case because I grew up in a Pittsburgh Steelers home. So I mm. remember that one very, very clearly. And I, I, I tell the story sometimes where I remember having this conversation with my dad because that's that's what we talk about. We talk about the Steelers and and just saying they have to get rid of him. They have to get rid of him. This is unacceptable. And my dad saying, no, they won't because his job is to win football games. And do you know how hard it is to get a quarterback at that level? And my dad was right. Wow. He was totally yeah. proven right. And so I think that with the time that has passed, especially between that and now me too happened. Yeah. I think there is more awareness. I'm seeing better conversations. I'm having this conversation with both of you on this podcast, like, which is not something I, a conversation I could have fathomed having, you know, four or five, six years ago. Um, but at the same time, I still, like, I hear that voice in my head saying, you know, um, he is, and in this case now it's Deshaun Watson, but still he's an elite quarterback. And do you know how hard yeah. it is to find a quarterback who's that good at that level, you know? And, and so I think some has changed for sure, but I, I would never say that, you know, this is a bit of a groundswell or rethinking of our, of our national values just yet. No, you're you're absolutely right. Sports 
finds yep. a way to to use an athlete until they they aren't a good mm-hmm. athlete anymore or they can't use them anymore. So that's a that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother story. Diana, thank you for thank joining you for having us. me. Yeah, thank you, Diana. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ray, the Masters was this past weekend, and I know if you're anything like me, you're a huge golf fan. Is that right, Renee? Uh, well... <laughs> Listen, uh, neither of us are golf fans, but I know uh, I have a, a very big golf fan in my life. My mom. What up, Ma? So my mom is a immigrant from the Philippines. She's been in this country 40-something years, is a huge golf nut. Her and my dad were both like golf freaks. And I think it's important to also say this. She considers Tiger Woods legitimately to be her son to be her firstborn son she relates everything in golf through the lens of tiger Woods. i spoke to her this weekend uh right as the final round started and after hideki matsuyama had clinched his uh masters win becoming the first japanese player ever to win the masters uh here are some clips of our conversation so it's sunday morning Matsuyama's teeing off. He's 11 under. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the Masters so far. My thoughts on the Master. Okay, he's good. He uh, he played on the Matsuyama. He's really good. I remember him playing always consistent. Okay, nothing bothers him. But I'm under. I'm for Sander, the underdog. Why do you like especially? That? I like him. He's very consistent. Remember, he won. He was he won the second place when Tiger won the Master in twenty in twenty nineteen. Yeah. So he's been playing very very good. Plus, you know, um, I like him. He's um he lost his eyes just like his eyesight just oh. like mine me. <laughs> hey, what happened to what happened to his eye? Um. He was actually um, an Olympic hopeful, but then he had a car accident, a head-on collision, and a piece of glass uh, went into his eyes. So he um, he got blind. Wow. Anybody you're disappointed in? Yeah. Who? Of course. Okay. Uh, Justin Thomas. You know, they're all gone, uh, but he's playing, but he's not on the lead. And, of course, uh, uh, Justin uh, was in... Dustin, Dustin. 
Dustin Johnson you know and, I mean? and I know Brooke is not gonna make it because he just had surgery. Yeah. You know? What about uh, surgery? Are you there? Yeah, your connection is is the connection is bad. Hello? Hi, the connection is bad for some reason. Hold on. Your your good friend Rory completely off the map. Oh my god. Rory Justin, Dustin, oh, forget it. I don't know what happened to them. I know Brooke is not going to make it, like I said, you know. Yeah. He hurt his left leg, and then he had surgery on the right leg, you know, and he only had, a, what, less than a month to practice the the Masters, so forget it, you know. So you're pulling, for, Zan you're pulling for Xander? Yes, 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 definitely. He's the underdog, and I think um, he's gonna do it. So you're not moved really by you're not moved by Matsuyama. What this would mean for the Japanese people? A billion dollars in potential earnings over the course of his career. <laughs> I like him too. You know, all, you know, he's you know he's good and he's quiet. You know, he's consistent, but I'm for the underdog. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, and I miss my tiger. <laughs> Matsuyama is Japan's first Masters champion. Uh, Matsuyama has uh, clinched it. Xander what? made a Xander made a, a a great push at the end there, but um, yeah, he made a boo boo. What yeah, happened? Right on the swimming pool, you know, right in the pool. I think he got, uh, you know, that that's the same, I think that's the same hole that Rom. Okay. Put his ball in the water, and that's why Tiger won. Okay, yes, I think it's a, I think it's fourteen, right? And the fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it just rolled, rolled to the water. I'm so upset. I'm so screaming because I thought he had, he had a chance because he's one. It's only one. That's the difference. The one or two and three holes to go. And he, you know, it's not his time, but, um, but anyway, I mean, Will, uh, Will jumped him, Will, Will yeah. Zalatouris, uh, jumped him. Yeah. I'm so glad he won. Did you see the background when the announcer of the Japan just talking in Japanese, blah, 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 when, you know, with, uh, <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> But I'm so glad I congratulate him in my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for him to win. You know what I mean? Xander, uh, what is it you, you like about him? You like that he's blind in one eye? Uh, because he's like me. Yeah. Blind because... in one eye. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you, I, I read his story, okay? And his father is very, very strict. You know what I mean? And then when he lost that, um, his eyesight and one eye, I think, uh, you know, he was an Olympian, uh, you know, uh, candidate, but then he, he didn't know what he wants to be. Yeah. And then he just saw, I think he, I think he was watching or something tiger or something. And then he said, <laughs> Oh, let me try. And then that's what he is. And then his father is his coach, swing coach. Well, look at I that. I believe. His major is like, that's all 
he wants to is major. You know, like you know, like tiger. That's <laughs> just like tiger. Yeah. If he prepares just for a major, and and Rory mentioned that when he went to visit um, Tiger, he saw all the things, and he said, "Tiger, just think about the preparation is all about the four majors." So, and Rory said, "Think about that. He only prepared for the major, so the PGA is just so easy for him." Yeah. And it's the truth. And see, Brooke is just like that. It's major. It's so important for him. Do you have any um, any dreams about Tiger lately? No, no, no dream. <laughs> he sounds. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you know how private this Tiger is. I, I, okay, we don't know how is his back. Yeah. With that car accident, and probably not um, good. Yeah, and. You know, I, I was reading an article that he will need more surgery on that right knee, yeah. on the right leg. So I think it's it's over. He's just going to be coaching. Well, I think that's you the know? next, maybe that's the next step for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and like he, he has his foundation. That's his, um, you know, his legend, really, you yeah. know, is... The foundation. Yeah. I mean, look how many kids, million of kids that he sent to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and they all, most of them are like being doctors, lawyers in Ivy League school. Okay. You know, so, well, we'll check the stats he, okay. on that. I'm not, we might yeah. need to check that out. I'm not sure if that's true, but like, I, but yes. That's true. Wait. <laughs> oh. I love your mom. Let me just start out by saying I love your mom because she like she knows what she's talking about when it comes she's to this stuff. Freak. I could just, she, I could just hear because she's like, yeah, he just had surgery. He's not gonna make it. But like, I, I love this because my mom is the same when it comes to like yeah. basketball and sports. So, not, not golf. So I love hearing someone else's mom so invested. And you're like, yeah, mom, your connection. Like she's <laughs> such an expert on the golf, but the phones. The phone's not doing great. Let me tell you, the phone's not doing great. Uh, did you hear the disappointment in her voice when I asked her if she had had any dreams about Tiger lately? And she said, no. <laughs> Amazing. Mom, uh, thank you for being our official golf correspondent. Hoping we go back to her uh, for the U.S. Open. Now's the time for our buzzer beaters. These are the topics that we wanted to talk about. We didn't have enough time to do it. Renee, what do you have? Okay, so for my buzzer beater, the WNBA draft is this whoop, whoop. Thursday. And since I've been able to be a co-owner <laughs> slash vice president, I've been in the meetings talking to the coaching staff. We have the number three pick and I want to build excitement for it, so I want you to know that who we're taking for the number three pick is. Wow, that is wild. That is a really shocking one, but also a great pick. I can't believe it. Man, people are going to be so excited when they hear this. My Thank you. <laughs> I'm hype. I'm hype. What you got up, though? What do you have for your My buzzer, buzzer beater? beater is, listen, I know you didn't want to say it, okay, because you repped Atlanta and the Hawks so much already this podcast, oh, okay? But, you know, it led SportsCenter oh, all weekend, all Sunday. Miles Bridges of the Hornets, Miles Bridges of the Hornets came in and he uh, tomahawked a 
an, an unbelievable dunk uh, down on your Hawks. Now, it's been talked about as a top three dunk <laughs> of the season, blah, blah, blah. And yet, and yet, uh-huh. Hawks won the game. And this is a, a thing that has bothered me ever since Scottie Pippen dunked on Patrick Ewing on the break in 1994. And I see every time that clip comes up, it's like, oh, my God, Scotty killed uh, Ewing. We won that series. Knicks won the series. Hawks <laughs> won the game. Okay? Pay attention. Listen, I have a take on that Clint as Capella well. Clint Capella got put on a poster and that happens. Clint Capella played That's defense. Right. You can't be defensive player of the year without playing defense. Clint Capella plays defense every single play. A lot of people don't even play defense anymore. People may be shocked to hear this, but people don't want to be That's posters. Right. So if they see somebody coming through the lane... They make business decisions <laughs> to move out the way. Those can never be a defensive player of the year. Clint Capella, the only reason that he got dunked on is because he actually plays defense. And Jason, yes, we won Woo! the game. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode and this podcast, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out. See you next week. Let's go! Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibble-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan-favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.